Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. get this party started it's time for Sorallo sports talk with me joe Sorallo, right here right now you're locked into the believe hour on sports map radio with me right up until 8 eastern 5 pacific we've got so much to get to in this next hour together i'm going to be all over the biggest snubs and trust me there were many of them in next tuesday's mlb all-star game we're going to get to kevin durant might even switch things up on you keep you all on your toes Talk a little hockey, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau with a shocking decision to really kick off free agency yesterday. But we've got to start with the biggest news in the cycle right now. And it's something I've been talking about for weeks. Donovan Mitchell. It looks like he has played his last game for the Utah Jazz. Utah's completely blowing it up. Look, we knew this was coming when the Jazz and Quinn Snyder parted ways. And then, of course, Utah solidified it by trading Rudy Gobert, and they tried to deny that Donovan Mitchell was on the trading block. But we all knew once Gobert was out of town that Mitchell was going to follow shortly thereafter. And it looks like my New York Knicks, and look, I know I'm setting myself up for disappointment with this one, but at the moment, my New York Knicks seem to be the favorites to land the superstar whose roots are, of course, planted in New York, right? His dad works for the New York Mets in the front office. Donovan Mitchell's always tweeting about the Mets. He is a huge Mets fan personally as someone who is 20 times a bigger Mets fan than he is a Knicks fan. I mean, I love that. That just instantly makes him my favorite player in the NBA. I've been screaming about this trade for over a year and how this needs to happen. And it looks like it finally is going to. I don't want to get my hopes up, but if you look at the betting favorites right now, I mean, the Knicks are practically at even odds on any sportsbook to be the next team Donovan Mitchell suits up for. And I think Leon Rose here has a real chance to solidify his legacy with the Knicks. It has not gone swimmingly so far for Rose and company. Obviously, a couple of years ago, the Knicks had that great season, burst onto the scene, hosted a series in the first round of the playoffs, but ended up being ousted by Atlanta in just five games. Julius Randle, took a humongous step back this past season. The Knicks went from four seed to not even cracking the top 10 in the East, not even making that play-in tournament that precedes the postseason. So things in New York need a shakeup. And bringing Donovan Mitchell into town, especially at the right price, that'll be the shakeup the Knicks need. Because you heard me a couple weeks ago when Jalen Brunson was announced, I'm not all in on Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, to me, is not... You know, he's not the savior that New York needs. This is a guy who in four years just had a career season and his career season consisted of an average of 16 points and five assists per game. And now look, when I spoke about Brunson a couple weeks ago on the show, I did fully acknowledge that it's hard for anyone to score a lot or get the ball in their hands when you're playing on the same team as Luka Doncic, right? I completely understand. I acknowledged. I get it. But still, Jalen Brunson... Getting that big deal in free agency. What's he getting? 26 mil a year for four years coming to the Knicks. I thought it was an overpay. 
I thought that, you know, for the Knicks, if he's your headliner, if, if he's your star player, I think the Knicks are in trouble. But if Jalen Brunson is the point guard on a team that is led by Donovan Mitchell and, oh yeah, R.J. Barrett, all of a sudden, I mean, Brunson and Mitchell, that's a hell of a backcourt. And then Barrett, you know, make no mistake about it, Donovan Mitchell would be the best player on the team right now. R.J. Barrett in two, three years time can be the best player on the Knicks, even if he's sharing the court with Donovan Mitchell. And that's exactly why, folks, R.J. Barrett's not going anywhere, right? If Leon Rose, in the words of Spike Lee, does the right thing, and Leon Rose brings Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, he's not giving up R.J. Barrett to do so. And if you think he is, pass whatever you're smoking, I want to hit, because R.J. Barrett is the future of the New York Knicks, right? And Donovan Mitchell coming to the Knicks, and people are already saying, you know, will he be the next Carmelo Anthony? Now look, obviously, Melo never delivered a championship to New York, but, you know, he won playoff games. He won playoff series here, something the Knicks really haven't done in the last two decades, and, you know, the Knicks have won one playoff game since Melo left. So if Mitchell can come to New York, get this team back to the point where they're a playoff team every year, where, you know, they're winning a series or two in the postseason, he would be revered in the same way, if not better, than Carmelo Anthony. But he's not doing that without R.J. Barrett. And to everyone who says, well, how do you expect to land Donovan Mitchell without giving up R.J. Barrett? The Jazz are blowing it up. Like I said, Quinn Snyder out, Rudy Gobert traded. It's not like Rudy Gobert, in terms of players, brought back a big haul. The Utah Jazz do not want players necessarily right now. They want picks, all right? If you look at what, you, what Rudy Gobert netted Utah when they sent him to Minnesota, they got Malik Beasley, Pat Bev, Walker Kessler, who has already been traded twice, the first round pick, the late first rounder out of Auburn, the big man, Jared Vanderbilt, and four future first round picks. That's what Utah wants. And the Knicks have picks. The Knicks have as many picks, if not more picks, than any other team in the league. On draft night, they just put themselves in a position by trading their first round pick, the young kid out of France that they took to Oklahoma City, where the Knicks have potential to have three first round picks next year alone. There is no shortage of draft capital in New York. And frankly, the way the Knicks have utilized their draft capital in recent years, I'd much rather them send four first rounders to Utah with a couple players to match their salary and get Donovan Mitchell back. So to everyone saying that it's impossible to pull this deal off without giving up R.J. Barrett, I say you're wrong, you're dead wrong. A deal with Utah could easily look like Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, and maybe, maybe throw in a Cam Reddish. Maybe, I would hope not, throw in an Emmanuel quickly. But I think that Randle, Fournier, will throw in Reddish for good measure, and then four first-round picks is more than enough for the Knicks to get Donovan Mitchell from Utah. You know, don't forget also, it's not like Julius Randle and Evan Fournier are scrubs. I mean, Minnesota sent way worse players over. And I understand that Rudy Gobert is also not on the same level as Donovan Mitchell. But hey, Rudy Gobert is still averaging 15 boards a game. He's a walking guaranteed double-double. He's a three-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year. And there's something to be said for that. And he didn't net any players of significant value. He netted a few guys to make salaries match up and picks. And I think that's exactly what Utah's looking for. They're trying to load up on draft picks throughout the 2020s. They just need players who will match the salary 
RJ Barrett is not going anywhere. And man, oh man, if the Knicks can land Donovan Mitchell, who reportedly just left the Bahamas and flew not to Salt Lake City, but to New York, where he spends the majority of his offseason, if the Knicks can land Donovan Mitchell, who tweets about the New York Mets just as much, if not even more than I do, if the Knicks can land Donovan Mitchell and pair him for the next five plus years with R.J. Barrett, with Jalen Brunson, with Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly and Mitchell Robinson, who they just signed to a four. I mean, the Knicks would have some lineup and a lot of club control. You know, Donovan Mitchell is under team control for the next three or four years, if I'm not mistaken. R.J. Barrett, you know, if things go right, is the kind of young talent who the Knicks should lock up for life, right? R.J. Barrett, I am so bullish on this young kid's potential. I think he needs to be a Nick for life. I think R.J. Barrett has superstar written all over him. Brunson's on a new four-year deal. Mitchell Robinson's on a new four-year deal. O.B. Toppin and Emmanuel quickly are entering year three of their rookie deals. I mean, the Knicks have club control. They have young, exciting talent. They've got guys like Derrick Rose, who if he's healthy, not only provides incredible veteran leadership, but also meaningful minutes for about 20 a game if he can stay on the court. Look, Donovan Mitchell may not single-handedly be the savior, right? There's a reason that Utah has never been able to ultimately, despite some great regular seasons, be the last team standing. But the Knicks have a really good core that won't cut it until they get another superstar. And Mitchell could be the guy to take this good core alongside R.J. Barrett. I mean, the two of them... I really think, you know, we saw what the Knicks could do last year, getting the four seed. I think if you pair Mitchell and Barrett, that this team has real potential to compete atop the Eastern Conference. We're outside of Milwaukee. I don't know if, I don't know if any other team would definitively be better than the Knicks if they had Donovan Mitchell outside of the Milwaukee Bucks. When we come back, we'll talk more NBA. Kevin Durant, of course, he's got trade rumors heating up. But we're going to talk a little baseball after the break. Some MLB All-Star snubs. Stick with me, Joe Serralo. You're locked into Serralo Sports Talk right here, right now on SportsMap Radio. All right, back here on Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. You're locked into the Believe Hour right here on SportsMap Radio. More Donovan Mitchell talk to come before the hour's over. Just saw a report that earlier in the week, the Knicks were in talks with Utah with a deal surrounding Mitchell Robinson and three future first-round picks. Obviously, though, Robinson has since finalized his deal with the Knicks, so he can't be dealt now until the middle of the winter. So the Knicks are going to have to rework whatever sort of deal with Utah they were discussing. But, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, Robinson and three firsts, that's way lighter than anything I anticipated the Knicks having to give up. I imagined, you know, Fournier and Randall for obvious, you know, contract reasons, and then four to five first round picks. So we'll see what they're able to work out. But the Knicks and Jazz are hot and heavy in talks for Donovan Mitchell. Like I said minutes ago, RJ Barrett's not going anywhere. We're going to get to Kevin Durant trade talks, folks. Things might be heating up with KD. If Phoenix is a player for Durant, expect a deal done before the week is over. DeAndre Ayton just signed a deal with Indiana that Phoenix has 48 hours to match now since he was a restricted or rather is a restricted free agent. I'll get to that coming up, but we've got to talk a little 
baseball, right? The MLB All-Star Game is days away coming to my new home city of Los Angeles. And, you know, I, I alluded to it in the opening of the show. There were just so many snubs this year that it really is taking away from what I have always believed to be the best all-star game, the only all-star game really worth watching in professional sports. I mean, I mentioned Dylan Cease. You've got Austin Riley of the Braves, who's the only player in baseball with 20 home runs and 20 doubles, or rather the only player in the National League, I can say with certainty. So many pitchers this year who were deserving. And look, we knew, I said it last week, guys were going to get left off because you could have made a 25-man roster strictly of pitchers in each league, and it would have been formidable. Obviously, with only 12 spots for pitchers, there was going to be controversy. But I mentioned him in the open. I'll dive deeper into him right now. Dylan Cease being left off the American League All-Star team is the biggest snub in either league, bar none. I mean, this guy is having a career year, and I know, you know, he struggles at times to go deep into games. So if you look, he's only got, what, five, six quality starts. I think he's got six of them on the season because for a quality start, you need at least six innings and no more than three earned. So I get it. He's struggled to go deep into games. He's also allowed more unearned runs than any starter in baseball. So Cease has been the beneficiary of some really atrocious defense out in Chicago where it seems like nothing's gone right for the White Sox all year. But if you look at his pitching stats, I mean, this is a guy who since May 28th, folks, it's July 14th, since May 28th, Dylan Cease has allowed three earned runs in 51 innings of work. He's pitched to a .53 ERA since May 28th. That's far and away, it's not even close, better than any other starter in the game And this is, I mean, we're not talking the last two weeks. We're talking the last, what, seven weeks? We're talking at this point, the majority of the season. He is sixth in baseball on the season in ERA, not in the American League, in the MLB at 2.3. And he is second in the majors in strikeouts with 142 of them. The only guy who's got more, Shane McClanahan, just pitched last night. Dylan Cease's 13.1 Ks per nine. Now, you want to compare him and McClanahan. He's second most strikeouts, 13.1 Ks per nine. I mentioned he doesn't go deep into games. That is over a full strikeout better than McClanahan for the best mark in baseball. Cease is the only guy with a K rate better than 12 Ks per nine, and it's a whole strikeout better. And for him to not be considered, to not be named one of the 12 best pitchers in the American League is absolutely crazy. Now, this brings up a couple of issues with the All-Star Game because fan voting is one of three issues I have with the All-Star Game and obviously that doesn't apply to pitchers, right? Fans vote for the eight position players and then the DH, so nine players. Pitching's not included there. Here are the issues. Reputation. That's one issue we're seeing, I think this year more than most with the MLB All-Star Game. Guys, this season, and this I think more so applies to position players than pitchers, but we've seen guys this season make the team based on career achievement, career accomplishment, and reputation more so than what they've done in tw- in the year 2022, right? It's the 2022 All-Star Game, and guys are making the team. Guys like Juan Soto, in my opinion, should not have been an All-Star this year. Clayton Kershaw was injured, spent some time on the IL, came back. He's a guy who struggled to go deep into games. I don't think Clayton Kershaw 
deserves to be an all-star this year but when you factor in the fact that he is a surefire first ballot hall of famer and the game is at his home stadium at dodger stadium those factors played in i mean byron buxton we're gonna get to him shortly in the american league him being an all-star and you know it's not like buxton's really on a hall of fame trajectory just yet him being in the all-star game i think is absolutely insane considering what he's done this season yeah he's hitting home runs he's done absolutely nothing else but when you look at the American League pitching staff, I think the most glaring issue with the All-Star game, and some traditionalists might say they love it, I might have even said I appreciate it in the past, but when a guy like Dylan Cease gets left off, and you have, in the AL, I believe it's three spots, go to undeserving pitchers because every team needs to be represented, maybe it's time to rethink the representation rule, right? When you've got Blackburn on Oakland, being the A's loan selection with a 3.6 ERA and what, five or six wins on the season? That is a major problem. You've got Gregory Soto out in Detroit, Jorge Lopez with Baltimore. They're both having really good years, Lopez especially, but if it weren't for the mandatory representative on each team, would either of those guys made the all-star team? It's debatable. Lopez possibly, Soto probably not. And these are pitching spots that are being taken away from a guy like Dylan Cease, who, you know, just burst on the scene really this season for the first time. He's becoming a household name, one of the more dominant pitchers in baseball. 13 Ks per nine. It doesn't lie, folks. A .5 ERA dating back to May 28th. We're not talking a guy who's having a good two weeks, a guy who's having a good three weeks. We're talking a guy who for over a month and a half now has been the most... I don't even want to say one of the most. For over a month and a half, Dylan Cease has been the most dominant pitcher in baseball. And he's not even an all-star. Unless between now and then, and it always happens, guys always pull out, guys always get hurt. Anyone who pitches Sunday is not eligible. Unless guys start to bow out of the all-star game, I'd imagine Cease would be the next man up in the American League. But unless that happens, he's not going to make the roster. And that is absolutely insane. For a guy who's put together sixth best ERA in baseball, second most strikeouts in baseball, highest K rate in baseball, not the American League, in the MLB, the guy's got to be an all-star. I mean, you look at, you know, other cases in the American League. I mean, Byron Buxton, I just mentioned him, right? In Byron Buxton's last 25 games, he's hitting a buck 58. I talk about Dylan Cease having a great seven weeks. Buxton's having about the worst month you could imagine for someone who made the all-star team he's only hitting 208 on the season you know i had a problem with kyle schwarber making the team originally but you know what the guy leads the national league in home runs and he's gotten his average back up to the point where it's almost 230 that's his game right he's got a respectable on base percentage he is a power hitter right so him making the all-star team i can live with byron buxton hitting 208 on the season with a sub 300 obp the guy doesn't even get on base three out of every 10 at-bats, and he's an all-star. I know he's got, what, 23 home runs? I don't care. I don't care one bit. He's hitting 158 in his last 25 games. His last 25 games, I talk about Dylan Cease having an incredible seven weeks. Buxton could not be having a worse month. His last 25 games, he's hitting 158 with 36 strikeouts. He is not an all-star. Coming into the year, was he an American League MVP favorite? Was he, you know, a guy being rumored, murmured about for the award? Absolutely. Doesn't make him an all-star. Preseason awards don't mean squat. He has vastly underperformed this season. 
him coming out to LA for the all-star game makes zero sense. You look over at the National League. I mentioned not loving the Juan Soto selection. I stand by that. Is Juan Soto one of the best young players in baseball? Yes. Is he having an all-star season personally? I don't think so. I mean, if you look at him being the lone representative from the Washington Nationals compared to his teammate, Josh Bell, who's one of the hottest trade deadline names now, expect him to be dealt in the next three weeks. Josh Bell's having a better year. He's driven in more runs than Soto. He's hit for a way higher average than Soto. Soto, I believe, is hitting 240. Bell's hitting 280. They have almost the same on-base percentage. Soto, of course, incredible at getting on base, a 400 OBP. Bell's got a 380 clip. Uh, I mean, to me, Josh Bell, the season that he's had, I know he's only got 12 home runs compared to Soto's 19, but the season that Josh Bell has had and asserting himself into a position where he is one of the most desired names at the MLB trade deadline it's more impressive than Juan Soto. I think Josh Bell was one of the biggest snubs in the National League. You look at a guy like William Contreras who made the team. And I'm sorry, everyone loves the story of the two brothers starting together, Wilson Contreras, the catcher for the National League, and William DH with Bryce Harper's injury. He's got 22 runs batted in on the season. I could not think of a more homer pick from Brian Snicker to select William Contreras as the backup DH on the National League 22 RBI on the season. That's not DH productivity, if you ask me. I I mean, look, I know when you look at my team, for example, right, the Mets DH situation, I know it's bad. Dom Smith doesn't have a single home run. He's got almost the same amount of RBI. Uh, That is not all-star worthy. 22 runs batted in from a DH. William Contreras being on the team when Josh Bell is left off, when Brandon Drury is left off, it makes zero sense. Look, baseball, you know, there's a reason I, I try to talk about it every week. It is my favorite sport. It is my first love. I've always considered it to have the only all-star game worth watching. But right now, this all-star game, I can't say truthfully that I'm looking forward to it. There are too many snubs who I think are among the game's elites and too many guys in the all-star game who just frankly are not all-star worthy. But when we get back, we're going to shift back over to basketball. More on Donovan Mitchell, more on Kevin Durant. Stick with me, Joe Serralo. You're locked into Serralo Sports Talk right here on Sports Map Radio. All right, back here on Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. You're locked into the Believe Hour right here, right now on Sports Map Radio as we get ready to wrap up the hour, but not before addressing the DeAndre Ayton situation over in Phoenix. It looks like the Suns, according to my man Woj over at ESPN, are going to match Indiana's offer sheet. Aiton, of course, a restricted free agent and the Pacers making a play at him. Kind of surprising considering the Pacers have done everything they can to really blow it up within the organization over the past couple of years. Looking at Aiton, looking at four years, 133 mil. First off, I mean, uh, that's an insane number, right? I know that Aiton's a really, really good center and I know he was the first overall pick a couple years ago, but 33 and a quarter mil per year. That is kind of baffling for me. I mean, especially when he has always been the third best player on his own team. That is insane. But it looks like Phoenix is going to match the offer. And according to Woj's latest report, they have not expressed interest in a sign-in trade. Now you would think, I mean, at least I would think when I saw Indiana made eight in that offer. My first thought was 
Phoenix is going to get on the phone with Brooklyn immediately and negotiate a trade before they offer eight in that kind of money. Because I didn't think Phoenix wanted to be stuck with him. I mean, they've said that they're fine with or without him, right? They've come out and pretty much said, go ahead, test the market out. We're not going to overpay you. We're not going to offer you that Supermax extension that we can, that extra fifth year. Phoenix is outright shown that they are not interested in Aiton in that capacity. So the second I saw Indiana made that offer, I figured, well, Phoenix has 48 hours starting at midnight tonight. So that 48 hours hasn't even kicked in yet. They've got to be on the phone with Brooklyn as we speak, negotiating a sign and trade because the only way that they retain Aiton is if they're shipping him off to Brooklyn and they're getting a Mr. Kevin Durant back. But Woj's report says that Phoenix is not interested in a sign and trade. That would absolutely stun me. I mean, you know, to me, if I'm the Suns after the season that we just had going, what, 64 and 18 far and away in the regular season, having the best record in the NBA, no one coming within six, seven games. I mean, I don't need DeAndre Ayton in my life, right? Like they've said it. They've said that they can be just as good essentially without him in the future. And the only guy I see taking Phoenix over the hump, obviously got to the finals two years ago. Last year, best record in the NBA, choked it away up 3-2 on Dallas in the conference semifinals. The only guy I see really getting them over that hump would be Durant. I think Kevin Durant and Chris Paul is a match made in heaven. And like I've said on the past in this show a couple weeks ago, if Devin Booker can be okay with being a guy who has to sacrifice some shots, because Chris Paul, if, if he takes three shots the entire game and gets 14 assists and his team wins, Chris Paul's happy. If Devin Booker can channel his inner selflessness and instead of taking 20 shots, take 12, 13 shots a game and know that Kevin Durant is going to be the guy with the game on the line, with the clock ticking down, who's going to have the ball in his hands. If Booker can be okay with that, it's a no-brainer. I mean, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, you get those three guys on the same team, the Larry O'Brien Trophy is handed out in July of 2022 for next season. There's no other team that is going to be able to take down Phoenix. I love the Milwaukee Bucks just as much, if not more than most. I love Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he's the greatest basketball player on the planet right now. Giannis is not taking down a Phoenix team with CP3, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. He was able to rattle off four straight wins to come back from that 2-0 deficit and do it a couple years ago when it was CP3, Booker, and Ayton. You replace Ayton with Durant? Milwaukee ain't stopping him. Golden State ain't stopping him. Memphis, Dallas, no one's stopping Phoenix if they get Kevin Durant. So the fact that Woj's report says they're not interested in a sign and trade, I don't know. I just, I don't know how much truth there is to that. I don't know if Phoenix is just not trying to show their hand right now, that maybe they're worried if they reveal what they're working on, then Miami is going to make a push and put together a deal with maybe Bam or Tyler Hero and all of a sudden get on the phone with Brooklyn and make something happen more quickly than Phoenix waiting on Aiton to sign the paperwork and then get that deal going. I don't know if Phoenix is just trying to play coy right now or not. But to me, if Phoenix matches this offer sheet for Aiton and doesn't flip him to Brooklyn, that to me makes absolutely zero sense. I mean, you're definitely losing productivity. You're losing one of the better centers in the game. But it's the NBA in 2022, folks. And this league has shown us time after time 
after time that in today's day and age, the most disposable, expendable position on the court is the five, is the center position. You look at the team that just won a championship, the Golden State Warriors did not have a true center in the NBA playoffs, in the NBA finals. You had James Wiseman on the roster who didn't play in the postseason. I mean, they were going with Kevon Looney, right? If Wiseman was out there, you could say they had a really good center potentially, but they didn't. He didn't play. He wasn't out there. They had Kevon Looney and they won a title. It really shows you that the center position doesn't mean that much. And for a position that is so expendable, I can't justify paying a guy $33 million a year when he's your third option, when he plays a position that is easily replaceable and he's your third offensive option. It just wouldn't make sense at all to me for Phoenix to go through to match Indiana's offer sheet and not do a sign and trade with Brooklyn. They've got the depth pieces. They've got the capability to match salary cap. You send Aiton, you send one of the cams, whether it's Payne, Johnson, Jay Crowder, really whoever the Brooklyn Nets want at this point. I mean, you just send over a, a nice package where Aiton is the focal point, is the centerpiece that Brooklyn's getting back, and you're in business. So signing him, matching that offer sheet without a deal in place, I don't see any reason to do it unless Phoenix is simply panicking. That would be the only circumstance that I see them going through with this deal for. Now, I mentioned Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, spoke about it in the open, right? The reports today came out. Mitchell Robinson was the centerpiece of a deal that the Knicks and Jazz were discussing earlier in the week. That's pretty shocking to me. I mean, look, I love Mitchell Robinson. I appreciate his game as an old school center, but you know, I just said it guys. Center is the least important position in today's NBA. And for Mitchell Robinson, I mean, I don't know if Utah just wants to replace Rudy Gobert with another guy who has absolutely no range on offense, but is a defensive player of the year caliber type, except in Robinson's case, younger, cheaper, more club control. I I mean, for him to be the centerpiece is kind of wild to me. I I love it, truthfully. I mean, if the Knicks could orchestrate a deal for that little, and again, I mentioned it briefly a few minutes ago, Robinson can't go to Utah anymore. He's officially signed his deal with the Knicks, so he can't be dealt until December 15th. But if the Knicks can execute a deal that cheap, the Jazz were only asking, apparently, according to the rumors, and again, this is all reports, rumors, essentially speculation, the Jazz were only asking for Robinson and three first-round picks. The deal that I mentioned in the opening of the show that seemed most realistic was something orchestrated around Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, of course, to match salaries, and then another guy, a Cam Reddish type, and four first-round picks, maybe even five. I was thinking about giving up a whole lot more than Mitchell Robinson and three firsts, as long as it's not R.J. Barrett and preferably not quickly topping. I mean, there, there are a few guys in the Knicks who I consider untouchable, right? You know, I, and no one really outside of R.J. Barrett, even quickly and topping as much as I wouldn't like to give them up. They're not, at the end of the day, they're not untouchable. And so if the Knicks can get out of this, given one, maybe two players, you know, there's one other piece of the package that I propose that I need to address. And that is Cam Reddish. Because this is a guy who, of course, was, you know, the third wheel on that incredible Duke team that went to, 
what the elite eight with Zion and of course now with RJ Barrett who is Reddish's teammate with the Knicks he was part of that team he was the least highly touted of the three I mean look they were all first round picks they were all lottery picks but RJ Barrett and Zion went you know first and third respectively Reddish went later on in the first round lottery people are saying that the Knicks giving up Cam Reddish would be a huge mistake people are comparing Cam Reddish to Paul George and I hate to be the one to say it but I just don't see it at all I mean look Reddish has been serviceable in three years in the league you know he's averaged about double digit scoring I think all three years at about 10 11 points a year and while you can look at Reddish and say he had a better rookie year than Paul George he's played three years now Paul George in year three was an all-star in year three averaged 17 a game in year three was solidifying himself in this league getting national attention Cam Reddish is not worthy at least not yet of any national attention you know Paul George in year two before he even made the all-star game in year two he averaged I believe 12 13 points per game shot over 38 percent from beyond the arc Reddish is yet to get into the upper 30s from beyond the arc he's still a low 30s three-point shooter I just I don't see the comparisons I think Paul George was also a much better defender at a younger age I think George when he was in year two year three could pick up would pick up the opposing team's best scorer I'm yet to see Cam Reddish in a position where he's the one guarding the other team's best player and he's doing so consistently and successfully I think that the comparisons there between Reddish and George are totally premature I would love to keep Reddish I'd love to see if him and RJ can spark something the two are good friends the two are obviously college teammates don't get me wrong I don't want to give up Cam Reddish but if he's part of a package for Donovan Mitchell I mean first off if the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell Cam Reddish probably isn't seeing the court all that much he barely played last year after the Knicks acquired him from Atlanta if he's part of a deal for Donovan Mitchell I'm not thinking twice I'm saying peace out best of luck I wish you all the best but see you later it's you know Cam Reddish let's not I know that they were teammates in college let's not confuse let's not compare him with RJ Barrett right if Reddish has to be part of a deal to bring Donovan Mitchell to New York to give you a backcourt of Brunson and Mitchell a one to three of Brunson Mitchell and RJ well Cam I'm sorry see you like it's it's really that simple I, I don't see any room for debate I don't see any room for discussion Cam Reddish is he's not Paul George guys I I don't get people saying that I mean where do people pull that comparison from because they're both three and D guys there are a lot of three and D guys in today's NBA there are not a lot of Paul George's Paul George is a future Hall of Famer Cam Reddish like I said is still waiting for a season where he averages 12 points per game still waiting for a season where he can get his three-point shooting in the upper 30s when Paul George has had seasons where it's in the 40s Uh, I just I don't see the comparisons I certainly don't think that Leon Rose is all too worried about Reddish being the next Paul George I think Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks at the cost of essentially anything minus RJ Barrett is a done deal and is a deal that the Knicks really can't think twice about especially if you're only being asked to give up three first round picks instead of four or maybe even five I mean as long as RJ Barrett's not on the block which don't get me wrong he's absolutely not everyone everyone on the New York Knicks is on the block 
to bring Donovan Mitchell and to bring hopefully some sustained long-term success to New York. Back with my final words. Stick with me, Joe Serralo. You're listening to Serralo Sports Talk right here, right now on Sports Map Radio. Here we go. It's time for my final word on this Thursday, July 14th episode of Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo, right here on Sports Map Radio as part of the Believe Hour. And, you know, I know I've used this final word segment for a variety of different capacities in the past few months. Sometimes I give out a best bet, which. I mean, hey, I've done really well on those. Make sure if you want daily best bets from me, you head over to my Twitter at the Joe Serralo. Uh, catch me on Instagram too, at Joe Serralo. On TikTok, at the Joe Serralo. You'll get my betting coverage. You'll get behind the scenes coverage. I mean, just today on Instagram, I threw up a great collage of two pictures of me with Noah Syndergaard. I mean, nine years ago, at the 2013 MLB All-Star Week Fan Fest, I met him. I was a 15-year-old Mets fan. He was in AA. And then today, I got wind that he was going to be in Santa Monica as part of an event for the Angels, 10 minutes from where I live. And I said, you know what? Nine years ago to the day I met him, I've got to go recreate this picture. So you can get that on my Instagram, at Joe Serralo. Me with Noah Syndergaard, July 14th, 2013 versus July 14th, 2022. But my bets, they've been amazing. In the month of July, I am 30 and 7. And that's after yesterday, by the way, I had my worst day of the month. I went 2 and 3. 30 and 7 in July. Make sure you go follow me at the Joe Serralo on Twitter. But today's final word, I'm going to talk a little hockey. Because Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau, who just had the second best offensive season in the NHL, had 115 points signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets yesterday. And I can't figure that move out for the life of me. I mean, he's from New Jersey. He mentioned wanting to go closer to home. And it was all down. Every report had it down to the Devils, my New Jersey Devils. If you don't know, I am a Devils fan. And the New York Islanders, a team that I also like. I hate the Rangers, hate the Flyers. Devils fan who also roots for the Islanders. And it seemed like the perfect fit. It seemed like Gaudreau could either go make the Devils relevant for the first time in a decade or get the Islanders back to the conference finals team that they were just two seasons ago. And out of nowhere, he picks the Columbus Blue Jackets. Apparently, it was less annual money than the Devils offered. It's further from New Jersey than obviously New Jersey or Long Island. It made no sense. Johnny Hockey going to Columbus. I don't get it. Moves like this, folks, are the reason that hockey is still struggling to catch on on a national scale like the other three major North American sports. Just like that, this episode of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. Thanks for joining me again on another week of Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.